0: Hello, and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 425. My name is Minter Dialogue, and I'm your host for this podcast. First, I'd like to give a shout out and thanks for putting up a five star review of the show to Joe on Podchaser. This week's interview is with Dr. Marie Taillard. Marie is a French American senior marketing academic and business leader, faculty member at the ESCP Business School, and she's also co-author with Béatrice Collin of the brand new Digital Makeover, How L'Oreal Put People First to Build a Beauty Tech Powerhouse, published by Wiley Press. In this conversation with Marie, we discuss her book and the digital transformation process that L'Oreal has undertaken over the last decade. Is it top-down or bottom-up? How will the changes and accelerated transformation imposed by the pandemic stick? the role of the chief digital officer, and how to make it work in a large organization. We also look at the changes to marketing, the importance of social media, and the collaborative mindset. You'll find all the show notes on Minted Please do consider to drop in your rating and review. And don't forget to subscribe to catch all the future episodes. Now for the show. Dr. Marie Taillard, what a pleasure to have you on. Um, You have just published with your co-author, Bertrice Collin, Digital Makeover, how L'Oreal put people first to build a beauty tech powerhouse. I would love for you to introduce yourself. How would you like to talk about yourself?
1: Oh my goodness, Uh, how do I talk about myself? I guess the best way um, is to say that I'm someone who loves to observe other people. I'm a social scientist at heart. I studied linguistics, so I love to listen to conversations and try to understand where people are coming from, and and uh, in a in a figurative way, of course. Um, and so, yes, so I listen to people. I try to make sense of of what they say, and then I also like to, from there. Develop some ideas and try to share these ideas with others. So, I'm an observer and a teacher, I guess. Um, I do coaching, I coach um, executives uh, from a broad range of countries and sectors and and all sorts of of different people. What else do I do? I do a little bit of uh, consulting on the side, and I love to write. So, I write academic articles. Probably not enough. Um, and uh, yes, wrote uh, wrote this book um, with uh, alongside my my uh, colleague Beatrice Collin. She was more on the sort of building the relationship side of things, and I I did I did much of the writing.
0: Well, we share many things in common, Marie. Um, obviously, Franco-American, which mm. is exactly how I describe myself, as I have those two passports as well. I also studied literature and linguistics at university and, uh, and enjoy languages immensely and hopefully uh, enjoy also and being good at observing people and the way we speak and interact and behave and all that. So lots of good stuff. On your Twitter profile, Marie, you write that you love cooking and great food. I was wondering what sort of cooking, because we in the States, we talk about foodies, but I, I would say that my, the French side of me raises an eye and says, mm,
1: "Yeah, no, so yeah, I yes, I I guess I could uh, consider myself a foodie. I love uh, cooking and I love eating great food. Um, I come from a family of um, people who love to cook and great cooks. I, I had lunch yesterday with my father, who's a ninety-year-old gentleman who is still an amazing cook." Uh, and whenever he comes over um i spend uh hours trying to put together a great meal that will impress him and uh, and i managed to impress him again yesterday so i'm very very happy
0: and very well proud. done <laughs> we, we do say that butter in butter butter is the secret of great french cooking agree disagree
1: uh, no 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 i don't i don't use that much butter i use a little bit of butter but i'm i'm sort of a, um, a enlightened french uh cook i guess I use a lot of olive oil but quite a bit of it in truth
0: that's all good all good so uh, obviously um with Beatrice who's written uh, books before on L'Oréal as I have seen I haven't read any of them so I I can't profess to know anything about what she wrote about but I was wondering between her and you what was the most surprising thing you discovered in your research and in your dealings the interviews with the folks at L'Oréal and writing this book
1: I mean, certainly for me, the, you know, the most striking thing is, is how, um, you know, much of a transformation they were able to go through over the course of the last, um, I, you know, 10 years, you know, on paper, but, but really even the last five years, and I'd even say over the last two years, i mean one of the things you know i talk about quite a bit in the book is is um the effect of, of the covid crisis on 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 their you know on their transformation um and and that has literally just just uh, been phenomenal and so i i you know even today when i find out about things that that are starting to you know that are happening i'm i'm absolutely blown away by by how great the transformation is i mean you were sharing with me a little bit earlier about you know how how you know a number of years ago they were still very French and and you know set in their way. They're now a fully, fully, you know, sort of international um, organization uh, where as much um, inspiration can, you know, come from, from, from China. I mean, China has been a big, big part of the success story of the last uh, five years. And as much as from, from the U.S. or from, you know, from, from any part of the world. Um, so really uh, very open to, you know, to, to, to the different markets into the way things
0: are changing
1: um so fast
0: yeah you also mentioned numerous times in the transformation outside of the fact that you talk about digital is this notion of diversity and inclusion which probably wasn't the strong suit of l'oreal certainly in my time
1: yeah yeah, uh, huge emphasis. Um, and and you know Jean Paul Agon, who who recently left as as uh, CEO, um, you know, told us many times that that was what he was most um, proud of. Um, and, and I think that the new CEO, Nicolai Geronimus, is also very focused on, on this idea of, of diversity um, and uh, really making it a, an inclusive um, organization. Inclusive, I think, in, in many ways, because one of the things, again, you know, in the book is is this idea of, you know, bringing customers into the organization, bringing partners into the organization. organization. So it becomes you know, a, a real ecosystem in a way um, with with no clear boundaries. And that's, you know, something we see very, very typically in a lot of, of, of uh, organizations that go through a successful uh, digital transformation is this idea of the blurring of the boundaries between um you know the firm itself uh, the, the the company and and then the, the, the people around it whether you know their customers their suppliers their retailers or distributors and so on so you see these ecosystems that 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 form that are absolutely fascinating to to look at
0: i certainly want to look at that in a moment when we talk about the blurring of the lines and the collaboration um, i also wanted to get back to a point you made earlier because I think this is a big learning for a lot of companies today. We've pretty much all had the experience of COVID transformational at at some level. And the question I have for you, Marie, is how does one ensure that it sticks? So if you're running a big company, you've had all this excitement, you figured out that actually we can work distributedly, we can collaborate, e-commerce is great, uh, all these other things that have bubbled up and accelerated through the COVID Mm -hmm. How do we ensure that it sticks, and just so that we don't come back to the Pavlovian style, our old mm. habits?
1: It's interesting—an uh, interesting question. I think you know, in many ways, and and it's something you know that that we talk about in the book several times. There is no choice, um, and so there's this you know this momentum that keeps you going, um, and and there's no looking back. Um, so once you open up the doors to, you know, what we call um, you know, co-creation, with with customers, consumers, and even with with you know partners, value chain uh, or supply chain partners, there's no there's no closing the door. You know it's it's there. Um, you create um, you know conversations on social media. You um, you know one of the things we talk about is is um, you know at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, uh, you know supply chain directors would talk about the the uh, uh, one of the executives in China who is you know, uh, on on uh, uh, WhatsApp or whatever other with WeChat. with um, yes uh, with the uh, you know with the, the the people outside the company, her suppliers and so on, um, just to get things going. There's no changing that once it's happened. Once you start the conversations going, there's no going back. Um, so I think it's impossible to turn the clock. And I think um, they realize. I mean, the, the the results are are very strong. The performance has been very strong. There's there's no going back. If anything, I think the 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 acceleration that came with COVID is probably a very welcome one. Um, and and the culture also, you know once you know, I mean from a sociological point of view, once people change the way they do things, once they change their practices, you know, there's again, no going going back. So I think that momentum is really what carries them towards towards the future. So And then there's at the top also, you know, this very strong will from the top from the CEO. Uh, who wanted to drive the digital transformation and who wanted to, to you know, to, to um, transform the company, the group into, uh, you know, and he used that that expression himself, a beauty tech powerhouse. Mm.
0: Culture, for someone who likes to observe language and behavior. I, I can't help but think that the fact that we've worked remotely has a, a tendency to lighten the culture, or at least dilute it, because you're not sort of shaking hands, looking at the eyes, and mm-hmm. and embracing at some level at the human level, where you can mm-hmm. see twitching of feet or other things that indicate other other parts of our emotions and, and the messaging. So if you're coming back to work now, and let's say in a post-COVID, whenever that's really going to happen, because gosh knows, we still don't know, but do you, do you feel like there, I mean, if if you're running a company, you can't just rely on what we did sticking. Because when we come back to offices, there are old mannerisms that come back to how you come into the office and where the cafe comes in. Yeah. And so I'm just wondering about breaking down those type of traditions that it's, certainly in my time were so strong.
1: Yeah. You know what? I, I, I'm i not sure I completely agree with you on, on the premise that... Um, that being away from people working remotely meant, you know, diluting the culture. Certainly didn't dilute the strengths of the relationships between people. One of the things, and and this isn't just L'Oreal. I mean, I find this in in, in our own organization, in in our school, and and you know, you know, other uh, types of you know of relationships. People have gone through ex- tough experiences with each other. Uh, People have had to have, you know, very serious, difficult conversations with each other. Um, You know, we've seen people, you know, I mean, obviously... Covid And and deal with that people um, who suffered from the emotional consequences of the pandemic. And I mean, I've had a chance to discuss it with with uh, people at L'Oreal, they went through the same thing. And I think in many ways, even though people people weren't, you know, sharing offices and, and seeing each other on a day to day basis. Um, people came closer and and, you know, sort of feel closer to their colleagues and so on. There's more of a spirit of, you know, what I call in the book, um, and which is one of my favorite uh, themes, shared purpose. People really coming together, um, to um, you know, to do things together, realizing that they can't do it without without each other. This this whole idea of interdependence in in um, in you know is part of shared purpose, and I think that's that's been very strong. And I think um, COVID has helped people realize that hey, I'm part of a team of a of a network of an ecosystem, as I said earlier, that's very, very deeply um, intertwined and more than intertwined, interdependent. Um, And so I think that when people do get back to the office, there's a certain realization of of, these strong emotions and this strong shared purpose that is um, going to be driving a lot of what
0: happens. Uh, I, I, it's funny, I've been listening to um, a couple of podcasts talking about the impact uh, on communities after being blitzed in you know, in, in mm. London mm. and how they returned to their old ways. There was a, a feeling of camaraderie during the blitz, mm. but when it finished, it was almost like, well, I want it back, and, and then things returned to some old-fashioned habits and and cat fighting and, and that, mm-hmm. that idea of common purpose mm-hmm. disintegrated, or at least, you know, back to cat, you know, cat calling and political yeah. conniving. Yeah.
1: Yeah, to some extent, um, possibly. And I, you know, I mean, I I can't, you know, predict the future. Who's to know? But um I do think there's also a real, again, a real, you know, so it's, you know, the story we tell of the digital transformation is top-down and bottom up at the same time. And the two, you know, the two forces really coming together. Um, certainly from a from a top-down perspective, uh, very, very strong emphasis on collaboration, shared purpose, Um, you know, we talk about this uh, simplicity program that's been sort of parallel to the digital transformation, um, driven from the top, but with a lot of grassroots uh, initiatives at the same time. Um, And I think that is taking hold. I mean, I talk to, you know, it's interesting for me because a lot of my insights into uh, L'Oréal come from students of mine who go work there and... And who report back, um, and you know I've got you know people who graduated a year ago, people who graduated two years ago, ten years ago, and so I get you know sort of this whole range of degrees of, uh, of uh, seniority there, and I'm hearing a lot of very very positive um, you know sort of uh, um, you know stories and and, and feedback on, on on how that is going. They they really are becoming you know the the, the old silos. Even the whole, you know, I mean, you probably remember the confrontation room in 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 Paris, right? The Paris headquarters, um, that's gone, and and now, you know, collaboration is the new confrontation. Is one of the of the golden rules of the simplicity program, and so and that's happening. Uh,
0: I, I mean, of course, and I, I, well, I'm I'm really looking at this not necessarily from a from an angle of how l'oreal is going to deal with i I think of this a lot of people listening aren't working at l'oreal they're running their business they they're coming back to work or not and they're thinking how on earth am i going to accelerate the continuing acceleration and that kind of thought because i really don't think it's just going to happen without intention because i feel like there's going to be i personally in the conversations i have i see the challenge of actually i don't want to come back to the office I don't want to deal with a commute. I don't want to deal with the inside politics. That was just sort of nefast, as we say in French, mm, when you're walking mm, down the corridors mm. and so on. But so, Nefarious,
1: we'll yes.
0: Yeah, nefarious. Thank you for that. Uh, what, what You talked about the shared purpose. Let, let's talk about that because I, I've I've written a lot about purpose, and I think it's a, a fascinating topic. And it's a particularly different type of topic when you're talking about a company that has many brands. So, I was wondering what your take on that shared purpose is and how does it splinter down into someone who's working on a Maybelline or, you know, my old brand Redken or how do you deal with small purposes of each brand Mm. and the corporate purpose at a meta level?
1: Yeah. I mean, so the question for me is how do you, you know, I, I would take it one step further and say, how do you deal with the purpose of each individual? you know, member of the team. And that's actually something that I do, you know, when I coach um, executives and, and when I do, you know, executive programs is, is to teach people how to take individual team members' own purpose, literally asking them the question, why do you get up in the morning and come to work? What is it about this job that makes you want to get up in the morning and come to work? You know, you know, put aside the, the, the paycheck and so on. And, and, and from there, you're able to build a shared purpose for, you know, for, for, for a team. Um, and again, at some point, you know, you realize, and it's a really interesting, um, you know, exercise to go through, you realize that people really do buy into some sort of purpose, you um, a larger level purpose, and then you drive it from the top at the same time, and you know, hopefully, things meet because people adhere to the same values and to the same, you know, desire to 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 do whatever you know they can to to create value with that particular brand, that particular uh, company. So, so there's a, a very interesting sort of exercise there of getting people to, um, you know, get in touch with their own purpose and actually see how it fits in to the to the larger
0: purpose well as as you can imagine my last book it's all about how being yourself makes you a better leader and in order mm. for that to work you actually have to know who you are mm. and what is your internal intrinsic motivating factors and yeah. and why what motivates you in life not to mention at work in general yeah, yeah. so but, but, that's but
1: getting getting people you know up and down the the sort of uh you know uh, uh, chain that the uh you know, hierarchical uh, structure to, to have that realization, I think is a really positive thing.
0: Well, and, and in my experience, it can be an alarming thing because mm-hmm. you can also find out I'm not set to be here. I, my purpose is not here, mm-hmm. you know, and if I haven't spent the time working on myself, I can sort of just go bully through and think, Oh, it's fine. And everything is lovely. But then all of a sudden you wake up and then you have your midlife crisis and whoops, <laughs> things yeah. go sour. Yeah. So we have this idea of a common purpose. How would you describe that common purpose for L'Oreal?
1: So, um, you know, several people that I, I, you know, work with closely there talk about, you know, what seems a little cliche and certainly, you know, one of their slogans, which is, you know, beauty for all. But I think there's a real sense um, um, there of the fact that, feeling beautiful inside and out is something that is really, um, you know, very often the key to, you know, some level of happiness Uh, and that to the extent that you can help people feel beautiful you can um and more people and all people you know in an inclusive way feel beautiful um you know that's that's something that's very valuable and i really do believe that a lot of the people i i, I work with there that i you know have interviewed or you know again former students of mine feel that way um a sense of, of beauty as being not something that is um um, you know, artificial or 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 you know, but, but that really is the core of, of
0: what makes us human. The internal beauty. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I want to we'll talk about transformation, and uh, there's an idea of top down, bottom up. In your experience, Marie, if I had to let's say make you choose, mm. do you think transformation has to be more? top down or more bottom up if which, which is the so i strongest? absolutely have
1: to choose you're not going to let me get away with well it's a combination of both
0: that's the consultant's answer i
1: i think i think it's i think it's about leadership at the end of the day beautiful so i do think i do think that the top down is is absolutely critical now um you know without the top down you know there's yeah critical um but you need to get the 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 grassroots um going too of course, but, especially know, at that it, size, you know. Absolutely, I mean, and you know, again, I talk about it, you know, at length in the book. Um, you know, Jean Paragon's, um, you know, real sort of, um, you know, vision and 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 realization early on of what was going to happen um, is is absolutely the key. But then also the fact that he. Um, you know, accepted, um, you know, a lot of ambiguity around that, that realization, he wasn't sure how it was all going to happen. Um, and then bringing in, you know, a, a, a really uh, highly talented chief digital officer, uh, um, you know, was also, you know, a, a, you know, a key, a key element of, of the success.
0: So, one of the things, as I read it, uh, uh, certainly, I when you talk about uh, Jean Paul uh identifying the need for transformation and and calling it early, I I have to say, hmm, that I didn't consider it early when I was there, and and when I since I come from the United States, as you know, there was, uh, I think the United States was much earlier than France in the transformation. So I was wondering whether you considered that early on a more European level, as opposed to a worldwide level, because certainly if you look at just finished the Ford and General Motors in 2009, they were spending 25% of their marketing budget on digital, which was far from the case at L'Oreal in 2009.
1: Okay, so a couple things here. The first thing is, I don't know that it's European, Europe versus the US, because I think at the end of the day, it was sector by sector. And they were early or early, they they weren't late, certainly, let me put it this way, in terms of the, the beauty um, sector. First thing. The second thing is what you describe at GM and so on, putting budgets into digital marketing it's not digital transformation, right? Digital transformation is much deeper. It's, you know, things like, you know, becoming, you know, consumer centric, customer centric. It's, it's changing the culture and so on. And so, I mean, L'Oreal was putting money into uh, digital marketing, you know, early on um but that's 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 not you know what what i would call digital transformation and that's you know that's kind of the theme of the book is to say hey you know yes there are a number of different markers digital marketing you know having you know you know the systems uh um you know uh, behind behind your 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 operations and your etc but it is also about a a people transformation. And and I would even argue it is primarily about a people transformation, about that
0: that human transformation. And you can imagine, I totally applaud that thought. Um, So again, going back to the idea of the top-down, one of the things that i've observed is this idea of of the chief digital officer hmm. and and i sometimes i i would just raise my eyebrow about for example the uh nominating a a, a person of color to run the the diversity or hmm. a woman to run equality
2: hmm. uh,
0: it, it, it's and then if you need to identify a chief of that thing of course it identifies that we have an issue how do you make a chief digital officer successful in their mission? I mean, obviously, Roche Lubomira did a great job, a really talented individual who's now gone on to do other, doing another mm-hmm. great job. H- how, how does one accommodate and make that successful? Because if you come into an environment where digital hasn't happened and transformation has not happened, you've got a lot of rowing to do upstream.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think um, a number of things. What what you know what made her um succeed? I think the first thing is that she did have, you know, a really good understanding of what was at stake uh and where things were going. She um she's a very smart woman. She she really um understood the underlying um you know, sort of, of uh uh um, drivers of digital transformation and the you know again first and foremost this whole idea of customer centricity um i also think she's someone who um uh got the culture very very quickly she spent some time you know sort of listening and watching she being uh, laurialized. exactly, right. exactly. laurialisation. La, la she really she really got it pretty pretty quickly. I think she is um, someone who's um, a great um, you know uh, she's she understands change management and, and what it takes to bring people on board. Um, and she is also someone who's extremely charismatic. Um, and so she was able to get her message across. Um, and to get people to be um, enthusiastic uh, when they listen to her and and get on board and want to get on board and want to do well, you know, by, by working with her. She's, um, she's, she's, she's very charismatic, um, and, and makes you, yeah, makes you want to get on board. And so I think all of these different things, I mean, she had, you know, she, she totally got it. She knew how to, you know, where she needed to take things. Um, she had a good sense of change management. How do you drive change in a, in a, in an organization, you know, that's, that's a hundred years old and that has a very strong culture, um, and 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 she she was able to
0: make it happen because she people like her. Mm. It's such a challenging job. I've spoken to many chief digital officers, and 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 very much the issue at some level is that digital touches everything, operations, mm. marketing, human resources, finances. I mean, everything is included. Yeah. So yeah. you kind of yeah. have to be a, a jack of all trades. Yeah as you try to drive that. And that must be uh, really adds to the challenge.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a general management job. No question about it. And interestingly, she didn't, you know, she was a consultant. She didn't have that, that, that general management experience, but again, I mean, she's a pretty bright lady. So she, um, she was able to make it happen. Now she also got a lot of support from, you know, from from Jean Paul Agon and from the board. The fact that she was made, um, you know, that she sat on the executive committee, I think, gave her a lot of obviously clout and and support and and sense of, you know, you know, I can make this happen. Um, she she had excellent teams. I mean, a lot of the people we, you know, interviewed for for the book uh, again, are very smart people who, who, who got it. And so, yeah, no, it's definitely a general management, uh, job, um, you know, and then some.
0: Yeah. Not only do you have to have charisma, but then you have to gain the, uh, confidences of absolutely. the big user, yeah. big unit managers who are very operational have been doing yeah. that for a long time. Yeah. And who are you to tell me what to do? And that's a
1: yeah, a, a true challenge yeah i mean you know the other thing about her and and you know i write about it in the book is um she she you know she's originally from Bulgaria and spent um some of her childhood in in north africa um and so she's uh she's an immigrant in a way and she has that real sort of resilience. Um, and this sense of, you know, I want to make things happen um, that, uh, you know, that often comes with people who've had a very sort of um, multicultural upbringing and probably, you know, not, not always been part of the, you know, sort of the elite. Uh, elite. Exactly. Um, and, and so I think that's, that's also quite remarkable. It's something she's, she's, you know, she's told me that she's very, very proud of also.
0: It reminds me a little bit like a rabbit hole um, about how when I was working at L'Oreal, uh, I would often try to find women in Asia to, uh, to take on senior roles because, mm. A, they, they, by definition, brought diversity into mm. the equation. Mm. And, B, and, 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 of course, these are generalizations, so I'm in tricky waters as a white male, but they, they had a need to prove and, and, and somehow in, in, at the time a far more masculine environment, that sort of that hunger that you're talking about, the immigrant hunger mm. is, is a, is a fascinating position of strength. If I've been through shit and now I, I'm in a job, Oh yeah, pff, I can handle this, you know, yeah, a little, yeah. a little problem here and there, not a big deal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually, uh Lubavir has replacement is uh, is a, a, a woman from India um, who is, uh, you know, who's who's been at the company for for a number of years, but so a true uh, L'Orealian, but um, but you know, certainly bringing a, a, a different, uh, you know, sort of cultural element to to the equation.
0: Yeah, I talked with a, um, a senior executive at L'Oreal Vismay Sharma um, recently about the Indian culture as well, and I think there's mm-hmm. a there's a real key to successful leadership if you can dissect. The Indian way. So, um, one of the, so uh, there's so many other topics uh, to I want to cover, but one of them you talk about the the domain of marketing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: At some levels, some people would say L'Oreal is a school of marketing.
1: Absolutely.
0: There are others who would say, well, it's actually a financial uh, company. When you mm-hmm, look at the number mm-hmm. of acquisitions they do and mm-hmm. how rigorous they are with regard to the P and L. Talk us through this. How they've had to adapt because obviously marketing a little bit like the cdo is sort of a general position marketing Mm. involves so many more things than the old days of just going down to publishes and getting a two-page spread in vogue we're now in in such a multifarious social so talk us through a little bit the learnings that you picked out that other companies Mm. could benefit from and thinking about how they transform their marketing
1: Mm. Yeah, so I guess I guess you know the the expression that's used at uh, at L'Oreal is precision marketing, right? Um, and and that's really that that it sort of encapsulates I think what what marketing has has to become, um, you know, for, for a company that's uh, um, you know transforming itself. It's it's the idea of bringing together um, data data driven decision making. Uh, data driven um you know uh, uh, you know uh, actions and and buying and advertising and uh, you know social uh, uh, marketing and so on and then the the creative side so it's it's sort of this blend of the very very rigorous data driven everything has to be measured um you know you have um you know uh, a, a total you know visibility on on every on the 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 uh roi of every you know last euro that you spend and at the same time you're thinking in an incredibly creative way about you know how are we going to um you know bring you know this influencer into you know our mix how are we going to you know do more you know sort of uh, uh social commerce using different media uh different uh different networks and so on so it's it's that blend that is that is particularly um powerful and and which i think um you know they they are getting they certainly seem to be getting right. So they've built, you know, this incredibly powerful, um, you know, machine, um, you know, that that, um, uh, collects data and then, you know, processes it and then gives them, you know, again, in real time, uh, a sense of of how well they're doing with what they're able to optimize, um, you know, uh, constantly in terms of their buys and in terms of of their, you know how that you know what media and so on uh, they use and at the same time constantly coming up with with new ideas of how do we make this more more relevant to to you know to our customers
0: it very much invokes the old saying i suppose old because that was from my time of, of being part poet part peasant absolutely yeah the creative spirit but the hardworking getting that data that you talk about. And uh, let's, let's go into the data story because you, you mentioned, of course, we talk about the beauty tech powerhouse or the tech beauty powerhouse. Uh, artificial, you talk about AR, VR. Um, artificial intelligence is of particular interest to me when we start mm-hmm. talking about data. Because of course, you also talk about the challenge of data privacy, GDPR and and, and managing that. But I also have recollections of how difficult, you know and, and with a lot of companies I've worked with since leaving L'Oreal, on how difficult it is to somehow uh to have the ownership of the data be everybody's mm. because for example you know i i run a country and this is my data and my my consumers of course the consumer leaves rio de janeiro and flies into paris and some of the luxury companies have particularly had challenges uh, you know sharing consumers like this uh for for many reasons because the pnl's are generally run through the countries so i was wondering what your experience was or what you learned uh, what are good ideas for allowing for the data to be more shareable because if you don't have good data then you have bad ai right mm. it's bad mm. data bad ai
1: mm. i mean again this is it's it's a question of of you know top down and bottom up so so there are systems that are driven from the top um, and, you know, that, that, that enable both the, the harmonization of the data. And again, one thing I should say is I'm not a data specialist. So um, this well, is my I understanding. Well, you and I are linguists, right? right. You know, exactly. My, my understanding is you need, um, you know, very, very strong, um, you know, systems um, that, that are group-wide um, and, um, and um, um, you know, it, you're, you're driving this from the top. At the same time as, you know, a lot of the ideas of what kind of data can we collect and how are we going to make it, you know, use it in the most relevant way that that's coming, you know, from from local markets, from a brand, you know, there's a lot in there. And we we discuss it in the book that comes from some of the newer acquisitions, uh, some of the, you know, West Coast, U.S. West Coast based uh, acquisition, you know, Nix and so on, where they had excellent practices and in a way they were brought in you know so that so that the group could 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 you know um uh, grab these these practices so a lot of these you know sort of uh, local um, experiments and, and practices get picked up and get, get, you know, uh, shared and, and, and disseminated the, around the, the company, but you need, the, you need the systems and the standards at the top and the will at the top to tell people that, Hey, you know, this is the way it's going to be shared. So it's 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 an interesting and and again this is something that required someone coming in and saying okay we're we're going to play nice right we're we're gonna we're gonna make this happen uh, together and there's so much that we can gain by you know by working on this stuff together. Um, you know, AI. I mean, the, the the great success story in terms of AI is Modiface. The acquisition of Modiface, um, you know, that that enables them to to you know has enabled them to develop you know virtual try on and and you know all this all this great stuff that is now giving them a real um, you know that 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 uh, functions as a real asset when it comes uh, to their relationships with. Um, you know, the, the, the marketplaces and, and the, the Amazons of, of of the world and, and you know, and in and, uh, and China as well with the, the big players. Um, because, you know, this is something that's very desirable to a lot of, of these retailers, uh, online retailers, is, is the ability to, to you know, to, to offer virtual try-on and, and a lot of the, the stuff that's associated with that. So it awesome. gives them leverage and, and, and allows them to build... Um, you know sort of more um, uh, you know so the the healthier relationships let's say healthier partnerships
0: Hmm. yeah I I was I was very intrigued about that sort of opening up to the externals and and what one of the things that really struck me was the the rate of acquisitions Uh, Hmm. clearly most brands in L'Oreal at some level have been purchased there are a few that are sold homegrown But I was looking, I counted there are 46 acquisitions that they've made since 1928, 24 of them, so more than half, since 2010. And and whereas L'Oreal used to be much more about homegrown personnel, you were sort of, I think, hinting at this idea of acquiring talent, so aqua hire kind of concept, which means not only Lubomura Rocher, but also the nice, You know, let's let's all be nice. I love that little double entendre. Bringing in uh, external employees with the acquisition helps also bring in understanding of what digital is all about and this transformation that's needed.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, you find that uh, today in in so many organizations that, that are um you know uh you know doing a great job with their digital transformation it is about creating these ecosystems um and and bringing in um not just the people but you know the the knowledge the practices the 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 culture right um and and all these things that 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 help um Transform. You know, one of the interesting things around the time that they acquired uh, Nix, and I, I, I uh, don't remember the detail exactly of who said, um, you know, to to some of the the, the the marketing executives who were looking at the Nix model. Um, hey, guys, let's let's make sure that we don't kill the model. Um, let's let's embrace it and bring it in as opposed to trying to to turn them into um, you know what 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 we know how to do so so real real desire there to to learn
0: uh, from you know from 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 the ecosystem yeah i mean there's no doubt that the the challenge of 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 strong culture like that is to shift culture and that risk when you buy you bring in a small company of of um, you know scrambling them and just imposing your way. So um, last year, I wanted to chat with about social media. You talk about the, there's a a lot for for at least one chapter, I think it's called Becoming Social. And- I call it social
1: centricity, right? They turn themselves into a socially centric um, organization, which which I, I find fascinating.
0: Yeah, and you talk a lot about how they have now, along with collaboration integrated, the politeness of the heart, and empathy, which is the topic of my last book. So I'm, you know, obviously quite involved in that thought. One of the areas that's interesting. So you talk about obviously working with beauty influencers who, you know, are, are sharing and in, and pushing trends and so on and so forth. The area that interests me as a former executive is the, the role or position of executives online themselves. Mm-hmm. And what observations do you have about how a, an executive who has to do meetings and, and get business in and, and all these other things should or not be on social media?
1: yeah interesting i i actually believe that it's it's becoming a must. i mean, there's no way around it and and you see some of the more you know sort of i guess uh, woke uh executives these days who who are very, very authentic and transparent um um you know in terms of, of their online um you know personality um and and i've noticed just in the past few weeks that the new ceo nicola Yerenus, is, is actually um you know um you know has his own um uh accounts and and is sharing stuff in a much more you know certainly transparent and authentic way than, than his predecessor, and that's obviously a question of, of generations there also. Um, but I do think that, um, you know, these are people who need to cultivate um, you know, their their own brand uh in order to have that, you know, sort of uh, to 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 uh, uh, cultivate that charisma that that we talk about, um you know that's so important to to these you know transformations and so on. And then, of course, you know there's all the other stakeholders uh, out there. There's you know you know consumers, there's the media, there's you know, so they distributors. They, distributors so they they definitely benefit. Um, You know, from from that, you know, one of one of the people that I follow um, uh, or had been following very, very closely, uh, an executive was the uh, CEO of Danone. uh who uh you know was was recently uh, uh ousted and and you know he had a, and continues to have a very very uh strong um social media presence and i think has been so you know is it a success story or not but i think he's been able to at least um uh influence public opinion i think um uh, emmanuel faber is, is the name uh has been able to influ- influence public opinion through uh through social media so i do think it's it's it's
0: becoming pretty critical. Yeah, and it goes back to this jumbling challenge of, I say jumbling as in which word you lead it up top down bottom up, Um, you have a corporate purpose, you have uh, brands, you have voices of each brand, you have voices of each executive. And that is, you know, one circus of animals to try to herd through and and get through. Uh, Marie, it's been a pleasure having you on this Thank you so much for taking the time well, thank um, you
1: mentor thanks for a great conversation
0: how can someone uh follow you track you down get your uh-huh. book of course
1: uh-huh well, the book is on Amazon, uh, I think pretty much in, in it's, it's uh, still only in English, but uh, we're looking forward to uh, translations into other languages. It's available on Amazon through uh, book retailers uh, around the world. As far as following me, um, I'm on LinkedIn, Marie Tayard. I'm on Twitter, Marie Teilhard. Um I have a page on uh, the uh, w- uh, website of my school, ESCP Business School. Um, I do uh, respond to uh, nice emails. Um, sometimes it takes a while, but um, emails, um, certainly through LinkedIn and, and Twitter, very, very happy to uh, to connect with people.
0: I'm thinking it's time to go. Marie, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks again for that. Uh, good luck with uh, finishing school and the transformation that you have there. And of course, uh, the next challenge of a beautiful meal for your father.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Feel of a stranger tucked around me, precipitating the danger. To feel free, trust in my reason, and let me show you why.